Kavinka Britson is going to do in the 1500. He has time to look behind him. 20 years of age, and he is on top of the world. But coming down for a maiden national crowd, Cornwall is a champion. Luke Matthews is best known for his bronze medal at the 2018 Commonwealth Games 800 meters. But, as many of you will know, there was a period there around 2018 to 2020 when Luke was close to unbeatable on the domestic scene. But during the COVID year, Luke started battling injury and, had, and hasn't made it back to his best. We caught up with Luke and dived deep into his career, including his training and races, his time at Melbourne Track Club, his intense battle with injury, and heaps more. Just quickly, before we jump into this, this episode is powered by a brand close to my heart, Tarkine. Tarkine is a rapidly growing Australian company that makes high-tech running apparel and shoes in an ethical and sustainable way. Our recently released Trail Devil shoe got voted by Believe in the Run website as one of the biggest surprises of 2023 and has found its way onto the feet of some of Australia's best runners. Tarkine is run by Australians in Australia and all product is shipped from Perth, Western Australia. Check them out at tarkine.com and use code RUNNERSTRIBE for 10% off your order. Luke, awesome to have you on the podcast, man. Where are you at? Where, where are you at the moment? Thanks for having me on, mate. Um, yeah, I am currently uh, at home in my bedroom, um, working from home today. So I uh, didn't want to um, annoy the boys too much with however long this goes for. So, um, yeah, just moved from my study to my bed. So at home in uh, Williamstown in Melbourne. Nice, man. I mean, COVID had its perks, hey? It's kind of like that's okay these days. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because like – now, if you go in the office like four days a week, you're like, oh wow, like that's you know commitment type thing. Um, you know, I'm probably I'm probably average last year maybe like three days a week. Even sometimes there'd be times where I'd just go in for like two days or one day or something like that. So I couldn't imagine what work would have been like pre-COVID because um, even though I'm not too far from work, it's such a big process to like get to work and then get home from work with just you know walking a train and, and walk and then you have to work backwards with showering you have to worry about trying to clean and iron your iron your work clothes and that so it's um yeah it, it honestly I, I couldn't imagine what work would have been like before um before covid so i definitely have a few friends in like the public sector who who definitely take the piss you know like just chill out at home a lot send the odd email to make it look like they're working but I assume in the private world, you know, people are going to figure that out pretty quick, hey? Well, yeah, but also at the same time, there's definitely ways you can you can work around that. Like <laughs> even today, like I had to I had to do some stuff, um, and yeah, just just went and did it. <laughs> so uh, hopefully my um, my 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 boss isn't listening, but yeah, that, <laughs> it. I think I think the good I think the thing about this um working from home and what COVID taught is that you can be flexible. Um, you don't have to live, let necessarily live in like the rigid, um, you know, time frame of like nine to five or whatever it might be. So I think it's definitely shown that you can be flexible and um, yeah, it, it can work that, you know, maybe I think like there's, there's people that I know um, I work with a lady who is um, a mother of oh, how old, I think the kid's like three or four or something like that. But she usually logs off at like 4 p.m. and then comes back on at like 7 p.m. or something like that. So um, pretty common now with kids and 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 yeah, people with kids and and I suppose a life away from work. But uh, yeah, it's 
it's good. But let's we'll, we'll stop talking about working. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the reason for getting you on is I was on I was on a run um, a few weeks back with and there were some young kids on the run, um, some juniors, and kind of your name came up and and then no one really I you know we're in WA right for those that you know listening and um, no one really on the run had any clue like what the hell had happened to Luke Matthews. You know I think everyone was just like oh he probably got injured and disappeared. You know so I was like shit I'm just going to reach out get you on i understand most you know most people in victoria and stuff probably know and your, your mates and that bit what is happening man you just um to the to a lot of the running world it seems like you just kind of disappeared um but what is the actual story <laughs> well, i mean yeah i suppose it could be like that um but yeah at the same time it's nice to know that uh i've still got some relevance to be brought up on a run so i like that <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean at the same time because my mum um is a coach of a lot yeah. of juniors. She also coaches Morgan Mitchell, um, you know, at a, I suppose at like an elite level, coached her to the 2021 Olympics. Um, yeah. I, she gets bombarded all the time. Like what's Luke doing? Is he, is he, is he making a comeback? Is he running? Is he retired? Is he what? But yeah, I think, um, yeah, well, for me, like uh, first and foremost, like I'm uh, working like professionally now. Um, so I work in the corporate finance space um, at Ernst & Young or EY, uh, I work, so pretty much what I do is I, I work in valuation. So I pretty much value companies more or less. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's what I do day to day, Monday to Friday, occasionally a Sunday, if I don't do enough work on a Friday, like right now, it's a Friday right now. So I might make up <laughs> later on if I don't get <laughs> stuff done. Um, but yeah, like that's pretty much me from a work perspective. Um, I'm also playing local footy at the moment um just yeah like literally literally um you know western region football league i i played predominantly in the ones last year played two games in the twos um but yeah not at a at a high level i don't have any dreams or desires to play at a high level not that i not that i'm good enough anyway um the good thing about it is and <laughs> i actually used this against someone in a in a footy match once was the um oh so <laughs> I was playing a team and a guy that I kind of knew, um, I was just like, you know, a bit of, bit of push and shove, whatever. And um, the bloke just looked at me and just goes, fucking hell, you're a fall from grace, aren't you? Which is true, but <laughs> he goes, you're a fall from grace, aren't you? And uh, yeah, the spots would, spots would wear green and gold. And I said, hey, mate, I'm still wearing the green and gold, baby. <laughs> so the good thing is is that even though i'm playing local footy in the western region football league i still get to wear the green and gold so it's good nice. what but what happened with the running like did you get injured or did you do were you just over it um well look i i'd say look uh without without putting like a definite label on it like from where I'm at right now, it would be very, very hard to get back to, you know, the, the level I once was. Um, but also at the same time, just me being as stubborn and ignorant and just whatever you want to call it is I'd never say that I'm ever retired because I reckon probably once a week, I, I always have a thought where I'm like, fuck, should I just give it another crack or whatever? So I don't want to say I'm retired. And then one day I actually go on that thought and say, fuck it, I'm going to go out and go for a run and, you know, try to get back into it. Um, so yeah, Firstly, I'm not retired and I'm not, I wouldn't say, even though I live a very retired life. Um, so that's the first thing. And once again, just a flag, even if I was to come out of retirement or come back, it would be a very, very long and tough process to get back yeah. um, to where I was. So that's the first thing. But yeah, I think for me, um, if I kind of look, if I kind of trace it back, it probably stems back to, I'd say around um, probably the start of 2020. Um, I tore my plantar fascia and I had a, I think it was like an eight millimeter tear in my plantar. So um, I think planners these days or always have been, they're pretty common um, to get, whether it's just um, plantar fasciitis or a tear or whatever it might be. So um, I had that, was dealing with that kind of through the start of 2020. And I remember leading up to whenever COVID hit, like March, I was literally you know, I was cross training. I was trying to run reduced kilometers. I was just honestly, like I was hobbling around the track. Like I was running and I would, I would like go and get a massage and my physio or masseuse would be like, your left 
calf is fucked. Like it's so tight. It's like a rock because of how I was running weirdly on my, on my foot. Um, so that happened. And then uh, COVID hit and I spoke to my physio and they said, he just said like, look, like to be honest with you, the best thing to do is just to, to try and get this ready. So um, don't run, walk around in a moon boot where you can and just try let it repair. So um, went into COVID. I wasn't definitely wasn't cross trained as much as I should have definitely ate a lot more than I should have drank a lot more than I should have, as I feel like everyone did. Um, and then, yeah. And then kind of tail end of 2020, the, the, we kind of got back to some normality, um, got back to a running program, got back to going okay. or just okay. I'd say, um, you know, my threshold was probably around like three fifteens, three twenties. Um, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was moving. Okay. Sorry. Your 30 minute threshold, you mean? Oh, I think I'd worked up to about 20 minutes or something 20, like yeah. that. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I was, I was on the, I was on the way back. And then um, I, I remember one of my, I was probably in like my second month back or, you know, at like a decent workload and um, started to feel a bit of a pain in my Achilles. Um, and then, you know, that was kind of one of those things where I was just managing, 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 managing. 2021 happens. Um, I ended up racing the domestic season that um, so I raced, uh, what did I do? I raced, I raced three times around 148 in my first race, which is my first race from the 2019 world champ. So like a year and a half prior, um, I ran two days later in Sydney and I was, I was absolutely fucked. It was my first ever DNF. I was so far off the pace, just so cooked. And I don't know, I don't even really remember like pulling out, but I remember just doing it and thinking one, why the fuck did I do that? But two, I was also like 30 meters off the pace. Ran in Brisbane a few weeks later, dead DFL, dead fucking last, ran like 152 or something. And then went to the Nationals that year, um, got knocked out in the semis. So um, it wasn't quite as good as my my back-to-back-to-back uh, national championship 800-meter run, uh, or run, sorry. Um, and then, yeah, I think I remember after Nationals, I went away to Port Douglas for a week. And then the plan was to like go have a bit of a like a, a week break and then head over to Europe and then you know try qualify. Um, but then when once I got there, because um, my Achilles was still fucked, kind of made a bit of a decision with my mom, who was my coach at the time, to say, um, you know, let's just let's not go to Europe, let's not chase it, let's just you know stay here. Stayed, um, ended up my tried to get my Achilles right. Um, I was kind of um and ahhing with surgery, what I should do, you know, whether I should um, get a because I had a Haglund. So the, what essentially ended up happening was my Achilles had a, a small tear in it, like a, a, like a very, very like micro tear, um, which I'm, I'm assuming if you, if you did an MRI on a lot of the runners now that have very similar thing. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing that made it weird was I had a, I had a Haglund's, which is essentially like a, like a bone, you know, it's like a bone spur that was digging right into that tear. So it was just fucking torturous. Like I was running and just, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, 2021 was probably more like a, a harsher lockdown than 2020. Once again, was trying to cross train, trying to get back to some re- like, you know, regular programming. Wasn't great. I remember this, the Achilles just stayed around for ages. I ended up getting surgery on it in February 22 and then got back from surgery. Um, and then in April that year, I started working full time, which is where I'm at now. Um, and then, yeah, when I started working, I, I, yeah, just never really got back into it. I just stopped cross training and I just thought, no, nah, I just don't really want to, you know, I just didn't really have any motivation to train. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, from what was, you know, cross, cross training one, two times a day to essentially doing nothing. Um, yeah, it was, I started living a very normal life of, you know, working and, you know, after like, Thursday night drinks, Friday night drinks, just, you know, and then just also just, you know, living, yeah, what a normal corporate life would be. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much been the same since. So 2022, I mean, I, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty, um, pretty untidy, got pretty fat, just was just, yeah, I was just, it wasn't great. And then um, as we started like footy pre-season and that, um, and then I started to get into a bit more of a, like a regular pro, like regular um, routine with gym and um, all that stuff. So yeah, kind of a long story, but pretty much, yeah, once I got surgery, never really came back from it and just. Bloody, 
Fucking Achilles, man. Like every how 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 common is just Achilles usually say in runners, middle distance runners and any runner really, but I guess track runners more than road runners, right? Like it's just yeah, and, many people's careers. Yeah, for sure. Like if I think about well, if I think about the two I had, Planner and um Achilles, like I don't really know anyone that wouldn't have had some form of like discomfort in either of those or had a tear or had some form of damage to the area. So yeah, it's fucked. And I think I'm pretty, I'm once again, this is just because I was reading everything I could about it. Like I'm pretty sure that plantar fascia, plantar fasciitis and plantar um, issues can then relate to the Achilles. So I think they're like linked. I don't really know the anatomy of the body and all that stuff, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, they're linked in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I know Jai Edwards has been battling with Achilles and it's just, you know, Jen Nicard, Jen Gregson, sorry, had, um, you know, obviously tore Achilles. It's just everyone, it's, it's just part of life as a middle distance runner. Hey, it just sucks. But Oh, yeah, it's, it's not great. But um, yeah, it's just part of the job. And how hard is it once you get a full-time job, like, you know, to, to to go back to doing what you were doing with a mileage kind of Peter Snell type shit, right? Um, you know, and it, it's hard, right? You'd have to probably take a, go to part-time, take a huge pay cut, maybe your career wouldn't advance. It would be, it would be a big call. Yeah, I think so. It, it, it'd be very tough. Um, you know, when I, when I joined, which, the recruitment of the recruitment and like all the interview processes probably started like January, February that year. Um, at that time, um, I had told them that like, you know, I, like I was, I wanted to, you know, balance my running and my boss said she'd be pretty flexible in trying to cater for that because when I started um, a bloke had just left who had played for, I think the Redbacks in like, in like state cricket. Um, and yeah, he, there was times where he would, uh, maybe it was like twice a week, like he'd leave at like two o'clock or something like that. So I think it, I think it was doable, especially at a place, um, like the big four, uh, which is the big four accounting firm. Sorry. Um, I think it could be done, um, especially now with all this work from home. Um, but at the same time, I always think like, it's not always, but like, I have this thought every now and then where I'm just like on the train home or on the train to work where I'm thinking, fuck, like. Imagine going down to the track at like 6 a.m. doing eight by K or, you know, finishing work at like five o'clock and trying to do a, trying to do a threshold or something like that. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be very tough. Um, so I, and I'm not saying it's not possible because there's definitely a lot of runners out there that do it. Like Lisa Waitman, for example, like I'm pretty sure she's pretty high up at NAB or something like that. Um, it's, it can be done. And I take my hats off to the people that do that because if I was trying to run, let's just say 140, 150Ks like I used to and also work in a full-time job, one, I'd have no life and two, I'd, I don't even know if mentally I could do it. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds pretty rough, eh? The, um, man, I just wanted to jump into your career a little bit. Like I'm just trying to jump all over the place. But I was, this morning I was listening to a little uh, chat you had with some AFL website um i don't know what AFL thing was oh, the with the, the bombers one that i did yeah right yeah yeah and you were you said in there that post olympic 20 got run out in the heats that you got abused you know like people were sending you private messages telling you you were shit like did that that legit happen hey like that wasn't just like i listened to that and was like come on like did that like you do you, you legit got abused Oh, I mean, maybe maybe abuse isn't like the the right word to use because that I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I definitely. If, and if I used abuse, I probably yeah, that's probably correct. But yeah, like, I mean, I was definitely getting messages and stuff like that from people saying, "Oh shit," from you know, just like, "Why oh, the fuck would they send you? You know, why you're wasting our time?" Yeah, I gotta go. It wasn't it wasn't like bombarded, but I, I definitely got a handful that just like like I remember seeing, and it's like remember re even reading stuff about like um. Yeah, like I think I got a message once about taxpayer dollars. Like, oh, you're wasting my money or something like that. And I'm like, I'm fuck. I'm 21. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get to decide who funds this trip. Um. So yeah, like, de yeah, definitely. And and I'm not saying that I, I'm the. And mind you, I probably don't even get it. I probably didn't get it to the extent of what other people got it as well. I'm just saying, just talking about my experience. But yeah, d d definitely not, definitely not incorrect. And even little things like, um, just like reading articles and stuff like that just talking about how you got ran out and you know you're fucking 
clogging up space on the track and stuff. It's it's not great. Um, yeah, especially when one, like, you know, I'm always one that's put a fair amount of expectation on myself, as all athletes do. Um, so you're dealing with your own inner failure. Uh, and then and then you cop it from, you know, media, uh, you know, randoms with, you know, a fake profile and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's uh, all that stuff. It's, um, it's not great. But I think... Yeah. I think like, yeah, all, all sports people get that. Like, you know, I've got a, I've got a couple of mates that play in the AFL and they'll show me their messages request every now and then. And it's just them getting hounded because they fucked up a multi or they fucked up a hand. Like they, you know, <laughs> they didn't hit a certain amount of touches in their multi or something like that. So it's very common. And yeah, like I said, my, my experience is probably nowhere near what other people have copped. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, it, it happens. And yeah. yeah. Mate, it makes me think about poor um, Peter Bowl, man. Like how the shit he must have copped. Uh, just, it makes oh, me makes yeah. me kind of, I don't know. It makes me angry. And yeah, I mean, you you could, you, I mean, we could talk about that whole thing for an hour on a podcast. Yeah. But I think like just t- touching on that briefly, like one, like what a fucking balls up that was. Like poor Peter. Like you know the way that it happens. Like it's, I, I was always I, once again. I didn't really know like how the testing and all that could be dodgy. Like I, I didn't really, not dodgy, like how you could have like the fake positives and that stuff. Um, but that whole thing, like the fact that he was ended up, well, I, I was, I was always on the side that he was a clean athlete. Cause I, you know, know him well and, and, and know Justin and the system um, Two, to then actually be proven that it's, he was innocent. And then three, like the damage that like, ir- like irrecoverable damage that has caused that's you know been impacted his name and the, and the mental damage that it would have done as well like hats off to him that he was able to come out of that and still be able to run at the world champs and run a 144 or yeah, I think around 144 run 144 and running Europe and all that so just just an absolute balls up but like I said we'll try not to get bogged down on that because uh, we could talk about I just know it. that like he must have just copped so much like runners tribe even copped some shit like like when the news was breaking we published this thing about all we did was publish the AA media release, right? And we just stayed on the fence. We didn't, we just freaking, we didn't publish any opinion. We just stated. And then we got abused by people that thought he was dirty, that we should have called him out and written an article about how he's dirty and he should piss off, you know? And I was just fucking just, we had about 10 people just ripping into us. I'm like, mate, like just chill out. Just, just wait for the B sample and let's just like give him some breathing space. Like it was just. Uh, I remember thinking at the time, if if we're getting abused, some website that most people don't give a shit about, why, you know, he must just be getting absolutely, you know, spanked. Do you know what I mean? Which is poor dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not relating drugs in any way to Peter Bowles, right? But talking quickly about drugs in sport, like, did you, I remember in the 90s and like even, you know, there was a guy that won the Olympics in 2000 who everyone always chatted about behind his back. Yeah, he's on drugs, he's on drugs. Like during your time on the circuit, did that happen much? Were there guys you were running against who you were all just kind of chatting about how he's probably juiced or was it something that you just really didn't know? Um, I mean, like, yeah, like once, I think for me, like, that whole drugs in sport, um, I, it's just something that, you know, it, it's, it's just relevant in, you know, athletics, in cycling, in swimming, like anything that's, I mean, any sport, but specifically like aerobic events, like there's always going to be an element of that in any sport. So yeah, like we were definitely, like when we're in training groups and stuff like, yeah, we'd definitely talk about it. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, there's probably times where maybe we were hypothesizing maybe, but like, at the same time, like if you just look on facts, like there there was people that I raced against who um, had been charged and had returned, and there was also athletes who um, who had who got done after I raced them. So like people that have been done now. So um, you know, and I remember as well, like I I think I missed out in of the I missed the semi final of the world champs in twenty seventeen by point three, and I I. Uh, there's this photo um, where like we're all running towards the finish line. And um, I think like four people in that photo have now been, have now been popped and it's just, it's, it's fucked. So yeah, like it was, it was always relevant. It was always there. Like there was always someone, you know, getting done once a year, twice a year, whatever it might be, people that you race against, people that you even, you know, would know. Um, 
but I think when I was younger, um, you know, I, I think I credit like a lot of my, um, I'd say like, yeah, I'd say part of my success, but a lot of like the way that I carried myself in athletics was, um, uh, because, you know, I had Ryan Gregson as one of my mentors and, you know, people that I idolized and I was fortunate enough that I got to train with him and then, you know, ended up becoming rivals and, um, you know, and mates. So, uh, he told me once when we were really young, um, I, I reckon, I, sorry, when I, I would have been like 17 or 18 and he would have been, you know, 23 or something like that. And, uh, he said that when you, he said something along the lines of when you're on a track, everyone's clean. You just have to have that idea that everyone's clean because one, if you go, if you have the perception that someone's doping or, you know, you're skeptical about it is realistically like one, you're thinking about the wrong things. And two, that they're probably already, you've already got a defeated mentality. So I think for me, yeah, it's, you just try to, you just try to block it out the best way possible. And yeah, realistically just control what you can control and just worry about yourself. But, um, but yeah, I kind of got off track there, but yeah, like it was always something that was relevant. Yeah. Um, hey, let's just dive into the Australian system for a little bit. Um, you're a good guy to chat to it about, and it's just, you know, you're obviously a bit older now, you're a bit more mature and you've moved on and you're also out of that intense kind of... The jury's not out on uh, more mature, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> you're, you're also not kind of living and breathing it as much, so it's not, you're not as emotionally involved, but you you were with, you went the traditional road that our best guys, a lot of our best guys go, not all of them, but... Um, with Nick Badeau and his squad. Um, you were coached by him for years. You did, you did well. You did really well, you know. And then then you had a falling out. Um, you were in Spain, I think, you had a falling out, and it, it kind of ended. And looking back on it on it now, you know, it, 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 reflecting on it, you know, were those years with Nick formative? You know, do you have regrets? Like, what, what, what do you have? What do you think about that when you look back on it? Um, yes, I think probably, like, probably better way to kind of, you know, lay a foundation of this is like probably describe my relationship with him and how it was formed was, uh, so when I was about 16 or 17, um, I got introduced to him at like an APS, which is like our school, um, like private school, like sporting um, competition league, whatever you want to call it. And um, I met him through, I can't remember who I met him through, but um, obviously knew who he was because, uh, you know, before Gregson, my, my biggest idol and like the, person that I just looked up to was Craig Mottram so obviously yeah. I knew who Nick Badeau was um you know I obviously heard some infamous stories some not great stories but um but realistically he was an athlete that had the best distance and middle distance athletes in Australia and he still does um so I got introduced to him and at that time he um had given me he pretty much kind of almost asked if he you know in a way to start managing me. So he started looking out for me with a couple of races here and there. Um, he sent me over to New Zealand for a race, um, started to get me into some New Balance gear, uh, which I ended up being with New Balance until the end of 2016. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like my informal like introduction with him. At the time I was being coached by my mum, and um, she took me kind of all the way through to juniors. Uh, and then at the World Juniors, um, didn't run as well. Came back from World Juniors. Uh, I think I got knocked out in the semis there as well. Kind of undenied about college. Um, spoke to a couple of colleges, and I thought, you know, like it might be a great, might be a great thing. And I now think that college is one of the best, um, the best ways you can do it because realistically, it's it's like you get paid 100k a year anyway because you're getting a free degree, free rent, free food, everything. So I think that system is amazing, and anyone, you know, without an outlier like. Cam Myers or, um, you know, maybe an outlier like what Gregson was or, um, you know, Brett Robinson or whatever, like who were, you know, going to make teams early. Um, I'd suggest that to anyone. So, um, yeah, and then I remember in February of 2015, so it was my first year as a senior, I had a fucking shithouse race in Perth. I ran a mile in like 420. Like I was fucking stinking up, like just got scrapped off the field. Like I was terrible. Um. I did that. And I remember I was in the, I was in the airport coming home and I thought, fuck this. Like I'm done with running. Like I, I was ready to just give it up. I'm like this, I'm done. Like I don't like it. I don't like coming last. I fucking hate it. Anyway, so I remember, I, I remember for that flight home and maybe that night, I think at the red eye home. So for, for 12 hours in my mind, I was retired and done with the sport. Anyway. Um, I remember next day, mum comes, mum comes into my room um, who was coaching me at the time. And she says, look, I don't think you should, 
give up. I think you should um, go one of two ways. Either one, potentially think about going to college or two, join a new coach. And I was like, yep, all right, fair enough. Sent out a few more emails to the people I was speaking to initially. Um, spoke to some people that were already over there, like Morgan McDonald, Jordan Makins, um, a handful of others. Um, and then I spoke to, who did I speak to? I think I spoke to Nick, spoke to Rinaldi, and then spoke to maybe, I think I spoke to Rinaldi. Might, that might not have been. But I remember speaking to a couple of coaches and thinking, all right, what, sh like, what should I do? Um, and I remember I sat down with Nick, went for a coffee, and I just said, look, mate, like one, this is where I'm at. I'm ready to find a new coach or think about going to college. And I remember we went for this coffee in like South Yarra at the canteen right along the Yarra River. And um, he said to me, he's like, what would you rather be doing? Coming coming fourth at a pen relays and you're the third runner and running a, a 402 mile split and you you know you get your minute minute of fade on um, flow track or yeah. would you, or do you want or do you want to try and make the Olympics in a year and a half time? And I was like what the fuck? Like Olympics? Like, you know, I, I just ran a 420 mile, <laughs> 420 mile. And he's talking about maybe making the, this is, this is February, 2015 and thinking about maybe making Olympics in, you know, less than a year and a half. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. Um, all right. So anyway, I remember the next day I ended up joining him and um, yeah, that, that's kind of the start of the relationship. Um, and then, you know, obviously left, in August or September of 2017. So it was about two, a good two and a half years. Um, but yeah, I think when I got there, um, it it made me realize that, you know, the athlete I thought I was from a professional standpoint was nowhere near where it should be. Um, just, you know, little things like, you know, dieting and, and gym and consistency, just, you know, commitment to the sport and just, you know, doing everything you can um, was just nowhere near where it should be, especially at trying to be an Olympic level. Um, obviously, yeah, I was fortunate enough under Nick that I got to be in a group where, you know, we had Gregson, uh, Collis Birmingham, Brett Robinson. Uh, we had Stewie McSwain, who was um, not the athlete he was now, but he would he would train at such a high level. Um, you know, you had Sam McEntee. You had all these people um, that, you know, I just think that, you know, if you get thrown in a situation like that, th there's no way that you can't get better, and there's no way that you can make changes that, you know, are gonna are gonna benefit you. So, yeah, um, got thrown into a system like that and pretty much learned the way. And I think back now, I'm like, I I've definitely been asked that question, and you know, about whether I regretted my time at MTC or with Nick or anything like that. And definitely not. Like, I um, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about myself as an athlete. Learned how to you know, make it to an Olympics, to a world champs. Um, I learned how to do, you know, I learned to be an athlete. Yeah. And also there's also part of me about there's things that I did, definitely didn't like about myself as like my personality and occasionally my personality and occasionally my, the person I was when I was with Nick. So in terms of like good and bad things, learned a lot. Um, and, you know, I look at the, the Melbourne track club system now and it's, you know, there's a reason why it's been the best group in the world's of not well, one of the best groups in the world, but definitely the best group in Australia since, you know, the two thousands, probably even late nineties, um, you know, and, you know, it, it, obviously everyone has some, not everyone, but people have some poor opinions about him. I'm not saying that my opinion of him is great, but um, realistically he, he attracts the best athletes in the world and makes people better and he gets people on teams. So uh, definitely don't regret my time at all. Um, I think if I look back now, like I think, um, obviously we left, uh, I left like kind of, I just, I left first thing in the morning, didn't tell anyone and booked a ticket from Madrid to London, um, to join the Australian team before world champs. And I look back now and, um, I just remembered like a lot of the, a lot of the things we were arguing about, it probably stemmed from the Olympics. Um, and there was also a lot of stuff that, which I had thoughts about, um, I didn't really get to voice my opinion. I, you know, I, I felt that like there wasn't really a responsibility of Nick, like he didn't take any responsibility for my poor, poor race. Um, so there was a lot of things which I wasn't liking. Um, and then obviously away from that, like he's a, he's a pretty hard person to deal with. But um, I look back at the time when I left and I think, fuck, like that's, it was such a fucking brave move. Like I was 22, I was running so shit I, it was to make matters worse. I had, a, I'm allergic to peanuts. I had a fucking, I had a fucking nut react, I had an anaphylactic uh, nut reaction in the middle of training camp. So I was on like 
prednisolone, which is like a really strong anti-inflammatory. So I was just at that time in Spain, like it was like literally just a terrible time for me running shit. My last race before world champs, I think I ran a 153, 800 in Cork, like just going so bad. Um, yeah. So it wasn't great. And um, I, uh, yeah, left. And I think the way that I left, like, yeah, I look back now, 22 years old, like, fuck it. Like that's a, that's a ballsy fucking move to leave your coach 10 days before world champs. Um, you know, leave a fucking professional group, um, do whatever it is. And then, Weirdly enough, I fucking ended up running really well at World Champs. Won my heat in three thirty seven. Um, I think, and I think in that I closed in like one fifty two or one fifty one, which was quicker than eight hundred I just ran. And then um, in the semi, ran really well, missed the final by two spots zero, uh, by 0.3 seconds, closed in like one fifty or something like that. So to do all that, like, yeah, is I, I look back now and think, fuck, like that's a ballsy fucking move for a twenty two year old. Um, but yeah, definitely don't regret my time there. Um, you know, it was fortunate enough that I got to learn how to be an athlete, like be a, what it took to be an athlete, got to make some, you know, great lifelong friends in your Robinsons, your Gregsons, Stewie's, Sam McEntee's, you know, um, all those people. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously my opinion of Nick isn't great. Um, I, you know, don't really need to go into that too much. Um, but yeah, I don't regret my time there at all. And, um, you know, maybe maybe there'll be a time one day where we, maybe we have a chat or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I I am appreciative of my time there and what he learnt me. Uh, sorry, what he taught me. Um, but yeah, obviously, just have no relationship with him, and I'm I'm very happy for it to keep that way right now. Yeah, and I like that. You know, the ambition in many ways that Nick has to to tell you as a kid, hey, do you want to stuff around? You know, in the NCAA yeah, or the Olympics. I you think know, as like, well, like. I think as well as like with, with athletics, like a lot of this is mentality and um, you know, it's not like, it's not like he's got going up to going up to everyone and saying, you're going to win an Olympic gold medal or, you know, you're going to do this, but like the, the belief yeah. that you've me, and I'm sure he does for other athletes as well. Like when you do a session and, you know, I was keeping up with fucking Gregson or I was keeping up with Collis on, or something like that. When you do that and you just got like a little nod, like the, the confidence that you had, like that 2016 season um, when I, you know, ran my qualifier, won nationals, um, you know, had a, had a great domestic season. I was going into every race just thinking, you know, maybe this, once again, it was ignorant. I was only 20, but like I remember going into this thing and I'm the fucking best here. Like I, there is no fucking way that anyone's going to beat me. Like it was just, even the, even that, that race when I raced for Disha, like I remember just thinking that, like I remember in that race, Nick said to me, if Radish is slowing down, go past him. And I'm thinking, how the fuck should a t- why 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 should a 20 year old whose PB was 146 racing against the world record holder, <laughs> Olympic gold medalist, what right does he have to go around him in a fucking 800 meter race? So, yeah, I kind of got off track there, but yeah, the, the confidence yeah. that the put into you, yeah, fucking amazing. Yeah, totally, man. It's it, it, you know. The best coaches have that, hey. There's that ability to to bring out that level of confidence in people and just make them believe in themselves. I remember Paco Hesse, like, I don't know, like 15, 20 years ago, telling me a story about when he was coaching Doyle, Simon Doyle, and Doyle was doing eight 400s with a lap jog, and and Pat was telling him that he was doing every split in 57 because Doyle didn't have a watch on, but he was doing him in 59s or 60s, but Pat would just take two or three seconds off each rep, you know, and tell him that he was doing them all in 57s and and Pat was like yeah I do that stuff all the time it just gives them confidence makes them think they're running quicker than they are and I'm just like it's little things hey yeah and, and yeah and that's and that's why like obviously at times like you know he's his coaching mentality and approach is great because yeah there's times when you're running well like yeah it's great but obviously it's it's a very old school mentality where um you know if you're fucking running well you'd get you know Oh, you might you might get a little bit of praise, but when you're going down, it's like you know you're just getting fucking you know your yeah. you know, whatever it might be. But it's not great. But I think now with the new age of coaching and um, you know, I don't wanna, I don't I don't think that the old school mentality is a bad thing. Like there's definitely p- parts of it that are great. Um, but yeah, I think now like you, the way that coaching goes, and like you see it in the AFL and that is that you know you're almost more a mental coach than a than just a, a physical performance coach. Yeah. So, um, 
so yeah, but like I said, obviously, yeah, there was times where it was great. There was times where it was shit house. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember that when I was running well and I was fit, like the confidence that group gave me and the confidence that Nick gave me, and not to say that other coaches haven't done that as well, like my mum and junior coaches and, and that, but when we were going, when I was going well, I just felt fucking bulletproof. Yeah. And how hard was like life after leaving Nick's squad in terms of, you know, getting into races, getting cash in a bank account from shoe companies, all that sort of stuff. Did, you know, Nick is obviously very good at opening doors uh, and he's been doing it for a long, long, long time. You know, did, did that sort of aspect of your life get harder? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's act, this is actually probably something that like it, it people don't fully understand is, so for me, I, I had, um, I'd left obviously before world champs, had a decent world championships, but at the time I was a 22 year old who just missed out on the final of the world champs. I'd ran 354, 335 and 145. So, you know, I had a decent resume under my belt. Um, so for me, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I threw out the European circuit through in Australia, through even contacts in America, I'd, I'd built up a good network of people. And um, I was, you know, in a fortunate position where I could have gone to um, a number of groups, uh, could have gone to a number of coaches, could have, you know, been in a position where I've, you know, I, I had a lot of, a lot on the plate and I could pick, pick you know, where I wanted to go. Um, the, obviously the other part of that as well was the agency. Um, and that was probably the one thing that I was probably worried about the most was the agency, because in my mind, like I always had the mentality that whatever coach I went to, I was always going to make it work. Like I was always going to be a good runner. That was just how I, that was what I thought about when I was at world champs though, my priority was I need to fucking find a new agent. So I sat down with a handful of agents at world champs and, um, and yeah, and that was just on the back of me just creating friendships and relationships with, with the people. Um, so um, I was in a fortunate position where I, the transition to another coach and another manager was, um, you know, a, a lot easier than say other people. Um, I think the tough thing is, is that realistically is that, well, sorry, first and foremost, Nick is an incredible agent. Like he, as a race agent, like in 2016, I raced in the Monaco Diamond League. I had no fucking right to be in that race. I raced in Oslo. I raced in Birmingham. I raced in big races all through Europe. And he has an amazing ability that he will, you know, do everything for his athlete. Like oh, I got to take my hat off to him there. Like he, if, if, if he's thinking about getting you into a race, you're 95% in that race. Like it's, it's amazing. And yeah, obviously as well, he's got obviously had or has great contacts with all the, shoe, all the deer, um, all the shoe companies. So um, he, yeah, he's very good in that aspect. The, the, the tough thing is that there's no one really like that in Australia to, to that extent um, in Australia. So obviously there's a few agents here, like James Templeton, there's your Sean whips that are coming up. There's a handful of people like that. Um, but the th thing is that there's no real option and um, opportunity for young people, you know, like a young 20 year old who's um and ahhing about trying to be a professional athlete or going to college. That's why I say, if you don't have those opportunities, go to college because at least that way you're in the system, you're going to be relevant. You're doing something for three or four years. Then you worry about it over there. Um, so, yeah, I think initially for me, it was, you know, not too bad. Um, but I, I definitely know other people that have left Nick previously and yeah, they've really struggled to, to get into some big races, but I was fortunate enough that I went to a, um, I went to a, another agent who was, you know, pretty powerful, you know, had, has had a lot of, has a lot of great runners. Um, and yeah, I was able to get into some good European races and American races in 2018 and 2019. Right. Nice man. Are you still mates with some of the guys that you spent, you know, hundreds of hours running with? Um, during that time, um, is, you know, years tick by and people fall apart, I guess. Is that, is that how it's gone or like, are you, a, yeah. uh, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like I, you know, I, I, I'd like to think, oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still friends with all the people that I was running with. I mean, it's just one of those simple things where it's like the less you see people, the less of a relationship you're going to have. Like, it's not like I, you know, I was, I, I probably roomed and slept one meter away from Brett Robinson for bloody you know, hours, you know, um, you know, like ridiculous amount of time on training camps, on races, whatever it might've been. So when you go from that to, you know, not seeing them, 
um, from being in different groups. So you just see them at like your Falls Creeks or your races or whatever to then now where I'm not even doing that. Like, yeah, obviously a relationship is not going to be as good as what, what it once was, but yeah, if I say, for example, use Brett as an example, like where I'd, I'd still consider him a good mate. Um, you know, I'm usually one of the first people to say well done and best of luck and I'll always be asking him stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to think that I'm still friends with everyone. Um, but at the same time, I, I, uh, from when I was running, obviously I had great friends in athletics, but I've also got um, a lot of mates and a lot of good friends away from the track who don't have any connection to athletics besides me. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, don't have any, you know, beef or anything like that with anyone, just, just see people less. So the friendship is, you know, not as close as what it once was. And I remember some of your Strava training, right? And it was kind of nuts. Like you were posting pretty much every run to Strava, um, hundred kind of hundred mile weeks sort of thing um, with sessions with like kind of big reps, like, you know, you know, like 2200s and, you know, a bunch of 400 reps sometimes. And um, it was just big volume for, even for a 1500 guy, I think, you know, you were borderline in that, that upper kind of range and, um when you look back on that, I mean, that's kind of athlete you were, right? You just needed that big volume and needed those thresholds and all that kind of threshold aerobic power work. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Like you're really kind of old school, old school shit, like in many ways. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, I, I think if I look at the 800 is that realistically you've got to be able to, you, you've got to be able to either run a 45, 400 or a, if you come from one end or you're going to be able to run a, you know, let's just say a 335, which is what I ran. Um, that's my opinion. You've got to have either one of those. Um, and yeah, obviously I, you know, maybe I could have maxed out at 47 or 48 or something like that. Like that's probably as fast as I could have gone. So obviously my thing was that I had to work on the other side and I've always had great speed, you know, for a middle distance runner. Um, I've always had pretty good closing speed. Um, but yeah, obviously I had to come at it from a, from the approach of, you know, I, I had to work on my aerobic engine and it's probably something from, you know, when I was a teenager that was probably always lacking and it probably showed in like national cross country results where, you know, I was winning nationals when I was 10 and then I'd get into, you know, my later years and I'd be finishing 10th or I remember finishing 20th once or something like that. So it was always something that I lacked. Um, so, yeah. And obviously as well with, with Nick, like it's three sessions a week, track sessions, which is like a VO2 session um a threshold and then some form of hills so um that's just the way that the way that it goes and you know i obviously did that with nick and even and going back to that point as well like a lot of the programming and sessions that we would put together with mum a lot of that was you know helped um, a lot of that was based on what nick had taught us and we'd make tweaks and stuff but but yeah i was yeah i was a a high mileage 800 meter i call myself an 815 guy but a high mileage 800 meter runner definitely um but yeah i there's definitely times where i probably did too much and maybe i did too much mileage or i trained too hard or whatever it might have been but yeah it was just the just the way that it went and um yeah i think maybe now like if i had a similar body and i was you know trying to run at a high level, maybe it'd be different. Maybe we'd be topping up with cross training or I don't know, maybe we'd be taking an Ingebrigtsen approach or something like that. But for, for, for where we're at, for where I was at then, it, it seemed to work, but also at the same time, um, there's no denying that it has its toll because, you know, at the Olympics, I, I, I was fatigued, like I was fucked. Um, world champs in 2017, like I was just cooked. World champs in 2019, I was cooked. So it's just, yeah, it just, it's, yeah, it's what I did. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, it got, got me some good results. Didn't get me all the results I wanted, but, um, but yeah. I remember we, um, Runners Tribe interviewed you, like, I don't know when it was. I can't remember. It was a long, it was five years ago or whatever. And you had just won Aussie Nationals um, after a massive block of amazing training. And I remember it, you, you're going to have to tell me what year it was, but you crossed the line. You looked like you were kind of totally fine and could just do it again. You had an interview and you said that if, they, um, if the pace was quicker, you still could, you could have run quicker and you would have won it, you know, like what year was that? I think, I'm, I think that was the 2019 nationals yeah, where I won the 1500. Yeah. So that was like, obviously just off. I remember, I remember we did, it was just off a massive block of just a, where everything just went right for many months in a row. Hey. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was, 
2019 was an interesting one because I'd say that at that nationals, um, that was probably the fittest I ever was in my career. Like I was in ridiculous shape. And I even like, if you look at pictures around there, like I was just so lean and so ripped. Like I was just, I was fit. Um, and yeah, it was, I think probably I probably didn't see that until maybe like March of that year uh, where I ran my first 800 of the season. I think I ran around 145.5 in Perth. Um, but that one was a tough one because the year before I broke my foot in, I think it was May, 20, 2018. Um, and I, I was coming back from injury the whole of 2018. And I remember I had fucking, my, I had shin splints because my like glutes and hammies were so deconditioned that they were just, you know, pushing on like the, the inside of my calf. Um, like, I was. It, I remember just thinking at parts in 2018 where I was cross training at the VIS. I was in a heat chamber. Like it was. I remember just thinking this is fucking never going to end. And then when I did run, I was in. I like. I'd have you know niggles and like just stiffness, soreness, whatever it might be. Um. But yeah, I remember went to Falls Creek in November of 2018. Went to Falls Creek in um, January, uh, and then I came came back and I remember just every race I did, I just slowly got better and better and better. Um. And then I remember I ran a 1500 in like 340 is like my first race um, of 2019. I think it was like on Australia day. And um, I ran like 340 or 341. I'd had a cold previously. I remember just thinking, fuck, like I've got a fucking long way to go. And I remember, I remember a couple of weeks later, mum said to me, you're doing the 800 uh, in Perth. Like that you're doing it. I'm like, what? Like, I don't know about that. Like, and I just remember at that point, like I just flicked the switch and, went from even though I was training pretty hard to begin with, I just kind of like, I don't know, just took it to another level. And then, um, yeah, ended up running 145 um, and then won the nationals. And yeah, I was fucking fit. Like I, I wish I had done a time trial. I wish that race was like a quick race because I reckon, yeah, I, I definitely would have, I definitely, I think I definitely would have beaten my PB, but um, you know, it, yeah, for me, there's, I've probably always peaked or, I probably always peaked like too early um, in in yeah. my career, in my years. And you were saying before that, like in the Olympics, you were cooked and the world champs, you were cooked from you know maybe overtraining, massive mileage, all this sort of stuff. That obviously you weren't cooked then, you know, for that national. So there was when you got when you got that training balance right, you were fresh and and running well. Like, is it? It's a matter that at those major events. Did you overdo the training leading into them? Like, or was it at the end of the season and you just cooked because you've been racing for four months and and you're cooked? You know, like, yeah, it, it's a tough one, and like that's that's just the that's just part of the the difficulty with our sport is that realistically you you know you're trying to just at, at times throw a dart at a dartboard and you're trying to work out how you because you got to in a year you got to you know you got to run a nationals you got to run a qualifier you've got to you know do other races and then you have to try peak again so there's like all these parts where you're like you know you're trying to I'm not going to say peak multiple times but you got to do you got to run at a high level a lot of times throughout the year so yeah. i think it's just one of those things where it's a balancing act and you know obviously you don't get it right sometimes you do sometimes you don't um but yeah i think like you know if i look at myself and gregson of that year in 2016, like I ran, um, I ran both the eight and the 15 at the Olympics and he did the 15 at the Olympics. Um, he came ninth. Um, I personally, like, I, I like, I, I think that Gregson probably wasn't pleased with that result. Um, but at the same time, I remember, I remember when that final, like when he was on the start line, I remember thinking this bloke might be able to get a medal. Like he could maybe sneak through for a bronze here. So, um, it just goes to show that we were doing almost the exact training he's got into the peak fitness, like the best he could be. And mine got me to 46. So, <laughs> so it's just, um, it's just one of those things where it's, yeah, it's tough, but, um, but yeah, leading into that, it's just first year at a high level qualifying, qualifying for two events, winning nationals. I remember the day after nationals, we went to a training camp. Like I was in the mountains for like five, six weeks. Just, yeah, it's, I was just fucked. Yeah. Man, like, just talking quickly about the peaking twice thing. Like, I mean, people have been talking about that for since I was a little, can remember, you know. But, um, you know, if you were the boss of AA, would you move, you know, would you move nationals to when America has it? You know, like in July, August, September, July or August, actually, or June. But um, 
Would you move it later, you know, on the Northern Hemisphere system instead of having to peak in bloody March and then train a little bit and then peak again? Um, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't um, because, you know, if you're a good athlete, you should be in Europe in, you know, from, you know, June to September or something like that. Like, I think that that's the way that, or, or if you're in an Australian based in America, like I think that you should be either in America or Europe at those times. Like that's just how it works. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a few people that don't do it, but that's just the way that I, if, if you want to be a finalist, a medalist in Olympics, like you should be in Europe. Um, I think that, yeah, it's obviously tough to do that. But at the same time, if you look at the Americans and the Europeans, like, you know, they have, you know, European indoors, world indoors, like all these indoor championships that usually finish around March, April. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that it can be done and I think that Australians can do it. Um, but, yeah, it just you you kind of almost have to approach. And this is the way that the MTC do it is that you kind of have to approach that you, you know, you get you should be able to get to. You should be able to win a nationals, you know, not full at your full peak fitness in my mind, um, okay. which I think has gone to show previously. Like in that year, Ryan was in really good shape, won the nationals, and then he went to an even better letter level for the Olympics. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one, but I don't think it should be moved. Um, I think that if that if it gets moved, the, the credibility of nationals goes completely out the window. Um, in my mind, I think that nationals should be supported by every athlete. I think that if, unless you're a, you know, a certain circumstance, like you say, if you're a, a bloody, um, you know, an Ollie Hoare or a, a Jessica Hull or something, or um, I think that maybe people like that should have an exception if for a particular reason, but I think that nationals, yeah, should be supported by everyone. Nice, mate. Mate, just want to, when I was watching the um, uh, interview you did with Essendon, the, um, you mentioned it when you got knocked out of the Olympics, you kind of just sped, spent weeks in bed, you know, like I was listening to that thinking, shit, this guy sounded like he had like, you know, clinical depression. Like, were you depressed or were you just, you, you know, looking back on that, were you actually, were you in a bad way or was it just, were you okay? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, I was very, I was very, very like disappointed, very sad, like just felt like a fucking failure. Um, for me and but I don't want to I don't want to throw the word depression around because you know I don't I don't think I have it and at the same time I know a lot of people that have been impacted by depression so I don't want to label that as depression um just you know for respect of the, the term and respect of others but yeah I mean there's definitely the way that I was it was probably, probably definitely looked that way I mean just you know something that you'd worked for for I mean, this is such a throwaway line, but something that you realistically work for your whole life, you try to, you know, achieve a goal of making the Olympics, you know, your, your, your dream of making a final, getting a medal, whatever it might be, like that's what you just kind of have in your mind. Um, so, yeah, coming back from that, just it was just not great. I, I literally, I could barely run. Like I was so fucked and so fatigued that I, I could barely break five minutes for five-minute Ks for a 30-minute run. Like it was just terrible and, Obviously, I didn't make it better that when I came back, I just, because I was so burnt out, I just was going out with my mates, getting on the piss, um, <laughs> you know, enjoying life. Um, so that probably didn't make it better. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was some pretty, some pretty grim days in there. Um, and, you know, I I wasn't doing – I deferred from uni, so I didn't really have any, like – didn't really have anything to, like, get me going and get me back into routine. So, yeah, it was pretty tough. And then I remember – one day, Nick just said, all right, it's time for you to get back to training. Let's let's get the ball rolling. You've got a world champs in 11 months. And I was like, fuck, all right. Yeah. Um, oh, mate, it's been good chatting. But yeah, the only other thing, I mean, I've kind of just gone off on tangents, but the only thing I was, I was going to chat about was, you know, how's your mum going, mate? She's obviously still got a squad. She's, she's um, you know, a gun coach. How's she going with it all? Yeah, she's good. Um, yeah, got, a, got an amazing, got an amazing group. Um, she, I think, that, I think the thing away from that is that like, and mind you, I'm, I only just based this on my conversations with mum and what I see on social media and that, but, um, it looks like, yeah, like everyone, the, the group she's created is a real family. Everyone gets on so well. 
Um, everyone's friends away from athletics. Um, and, you know, even like my mum, my mum's close friends are like, you know, parents of coaches and, and that. And um, it's a full family affair as well. Like my dad's down there helping pacing, helping taking training. My sister goes down there. Um, the only one that's really not there is, is me um, and my brother, but he's in London, so he gets a pass. But it's, yeah, it's a, it's a full family affair. And um, got, she's got some amazing juniors. Like, oh, she's every time I speak to her, it's like, oh, you know, this 10-year-old ran this time and, or, and like, you know, broke a national record or whatever it might be. So got some amazing juniors. Um, obviously, the the one, like the big one is that she coaches Morgan still. Um, and, yeah, I it it's it's um, hard to get a reading of Morgan around this time of the year because, um, you know, she's usually coming off like, you know, a big training camp at Falls Creek, a big aerobic base. So um, I think it'll be, you know, it, we'll get a bit more of an idea of where she's at probably once the first race happens. But, um, but yeah, she, it seems like everything's going well. And, um, you know, I think, I think what, I mean, with obviously I'm, you know, she was, she coached me to two national championships, um, Commonwealth Games bronze, a world champs team, and, you know, a, a handful of decent times. Um, what what she was able to do, so, like, yeah, I'm obviously thankful for that, and I, I think that what she was able to do with me was great, but what she was able to do with Morgan, who, you know, ran the 400 metres at Com Games in 2018, ran 400 most of the season in 2018, to then come third at nationals in 2019 in April and then to make the world champs team not long later and run two flat, not far off bloody sub two in, you know, less than a year. I think that's fucking amazing. So, and like, that's obviously credit to both Morgan and mom, but um, you know, if I look at it from a coaching perspective, like pretty, pretty amazing feat to, to go from that to, you know, a world champ semi. So yeah. Awesome. Man. Hey, Luke, good luck with the career and, and everything. Enjoy your AFL, mate, and your footy, I mean. And then, um, yeah, it was lovely to chat, mate. Lovely to catch up and, and just yarn about it all. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, like I said at the start, I'm, I'm never going to say I'm retired um, because I never know. But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty – I definitely look like I'm retired. and I, people, people might listen to this and think, fuck, what a fucking idiot. Like, you're done. But um, – but yeah, it's great, your, and I think. What is, what is your head-to-head head record versus bold? You know. Um. So. He beat me. I think he beat me three times in my career, or four, maybe three or four, and they were they were all in twenty twenty one. So, leading into leading into twenty twenty one, which is when I ran that season, like. I suppose like half injured. Actually, no, I'm not going to say I was half injured. When I run that season, I was just not good. Um, I I went into that season with an undefeated record against Peter and I think Joe as well. Um, and then yeah, that season it was yeah they fucked me. Yeah, That's what <laughs> uh, I'm but yeah, well I think much, hey? yeah, uh, but yeah, just back to what I was saying. It's like I just look at myself right now and I think um, for where I'm at, like motivation to get to that level is just like I, I, I watch the world champs. I watch the Olympics. I watch the Com games every year and, you know, I'd love to be there, but at the same time, like I know how hard it is to get to those championships and to get to those races and to get to that fitness. So um, I, yeah, just right now and I may never get it. And, you know, that I, I, I just don't have the motivation and I don't have the, you know, desire to train at that high level to get to that level. So if I was to be, jealous of people making those teams whilst I'm not it'd just be ignorant and completely disrespectful to the whole process so the re yeah the reason why I you know put a pause on my running or a stop or a, whatever you want to call it is that yeah I just don't have the mindset to to take it there right now um maybe get it back probably a very 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 small chance but um yeah it's just not there right now so that's you know the re what, obviously the big reason why I'm not running um and realistically, I'm I'm really enjoying my life at the moment, and um, I you know I really love the the standard approach of nine to you know I definitely don't work nine to five, more like eight to eight to six or something like that. But working eight to six, I get to work you know finish work on a Friday, I get to enjoy the weekend, have a few Friday beers, just yeah, life's good, life's good, and um, I'm I'm definitely one of the fortunate ones that definitely had a very easy transition 
um, to normal life than than other people have had. So I'm um, fortunate the position I'm in. Um, I'm you know relatively content with the career I had, and um, yeah, definitely don't. Re- there's definitely things that I would have done different in my career, but I definitely don't regret the decisions I made with coaching and and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit of a bit of a final um, byline. Nice mate. Uh, thanks, Ed. It was, it was great having you, mate. Good luck with everything and good to see you back running one day. But if not, then, you know, all the best with it all. Yeah. And uh, thanks, Ed. And, yeah, I, I mean, maybe this is either known or not, but I'm probably one of the biggest running stat nerds like ever. So I don't, I still don't miss a race. I know, I always know what's happening in Europe or America and stuff like that. So I'm always watching from afar. Um, you know, I'm always shooting people a message when they run well. So, um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not, I don't have blood, sweat and tears in it, but I'm still a massive fan of the sport. So nice. Awesome, man. All right. Cheers. Cheers, Luke. Thanks, mate.